Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sort of. Not really live, but we're on. So we are back for episode two of the Legacy Minds Health and Fitness Q&A with uh, head coach, general manager here at Legacy Athletics, and health and nutrition coach with Lane Ming Green. Yep. Caitlin Green. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, last episode was good. Some yeah. good info. Some yeah. uh, uh, background on you, and uh, now people know that they can trust the feedback or the, the stuff they're hearing from you because hopefully <laughs> <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah so guys uh the thought behind this segment of our podcast is you know to get you involved and answer any questions you guys have on health fitness anything under that realm so yeah. uh today we have a couple of questions um the one we're going to start out with is from our very own member here at legacy athletics brandon harshman he is wanting to understand the benefits of eating red meat and why it's so important so we'll just kind of dive into that um and let caitlin kind of dive into what she's got there yeah so um there's a lot when it comes to the conversation of eating animals Mm -hmm. in general there's sort of three goalposts people tend to aim for when they're having the conversation and so i'm going to answer this at least to start with with the view on nutrition Mm -hmm. and then I think um, the other views to look at it from our environment and animal welfare but the question from him was specifically on nutrition Mm -hmm. so we'll go with that start with the first yeah so um, animal protein is just the healthiest foods you can eat and and red meat ruminant animals so when we say ruminant animals it's like cows it's bison it's lamb elk things like that those are the healthiest of the healthy meats and in general animal protein is healthy for us pretty simply because it's a super bioavailable protein and so what that means is your body can actually absorb and utilize that protein very easily as opposed to protein that you might get from plant sources like soy and peas and nuts and things like that Mm -hmm. so animal protein is super bioavailable so you are For every bit of protein you eat, your body is using more of it. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, um, animal protein sources are complete proteins. So there are essential amino acids, right? 
and there are nine of them and these are amino acids that we our bodies cannot make we have to get them through our foods and animal proteins are complete proteins which is to say they have all of these essential amino acids in them as opposed to plant proteins Mm -hmm. some have some some have others so if you are eating plant proteins especially if you are only eating plant proteins then you almost have to start playing tetris with your proteins to make sure that you're getting all of these essential amino acids Mm. that your body needs right does meat also include branch chain amino acids as well yeah yeah so um yes and then you know if we're looking at i know his question was specifically Mm -hmm. i believe if i'm remembering around red meat Mm -hmm. but if we broaden that out just a little bit into just sort of like animal products then we also start getting into (coughs) things like collagen which have a slightly different amino acid profile that our bodies can use in slightly different ways. Um, And I just think that's something important for people who do eat meat, which I hope everybody here does for their health, Um, because there are amino acid profiles that are better for building muscle, and there are amino acid profiles that are better for keeping tendons healthy and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it's just a good idea to make sure you're getting a broad range Mm -hmm. from those animal products. Um, And then I think the last thing to really say about it is that red meat sources especially, they've got got a lot of heme iron, which is um, an absorbable form of iron that you'll find in meat products, um, especially in red meat. They've, uh, your B vitamins are going to be coming from animal products and they're going to be, again, much more absorbable by your body. Mm -hmm. Um, So overall, especially if we have the contrast of animal protein versus plant protein yeah it's just it's it's not even a comparison right you're you're getting an incomplete protein versus a complete protein that is more bioavailable has Mm -hmm. more vitamins and minerals and nutrients um yeah okay so you, you mentioned essential amino acids and i think this is a nice little segue into this question um the essential amino acids our bodies can't produce correct correct so that's why those are almost more important than the branch chain amino acids yeah and so there are the essential amino acids and then there are some amino acids that are um conditionally essential and 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 there's a broad spectrum and and your amino acids are going to be important right Mm -hmm. but as you are asking the essential amino acids your body can't make them if you run out of them your body doesn't have a mechanism to convert something into something else so you can have them you have to get them through your food Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's again just part of why these yeah. animal proteins are so important. So is the are you asking, is there a reason that like a cow, mm-hmm. elk... Is yeah, it, cow, elk. There probably yeah. is. I don't know okay. the answer to that. Um, I'm sure there is some reason, but mm-hmm. um, Not I, sure if there's I, don't, I don't know enough about animal biology to know that. My, my only thought there would be, and, and I've heard this, that it, part of the reason you know animals are a better source of protein and better source of nutrients is because we are not designed to digest plants essentially very well. So they're able to break that down more. And I could be full of shit when I say this, but it, you know it's kind of like the middleman between you and the ground. Right, and so that's my thought or my theory, but yeah. I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. That they're just able to break it down that much more, and then they absorb more of those nutrients because of that, and in turn, it goes into their muscle, their meat, yeah, so on and so forth. There is <clears throat> definitely truth to, you know, there's this amazing thing that exists, and it takes plants that humans can't eat, like mm-hmm. grass, and it converts them into the healthiest food in the world, and it's called the cow. 
right? Like you, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be grown in a right. lab. It's a cow. It's a bison. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I, and I do agree with that when we're looking at plants that humans really can't mm-hmm. digest and eat like grass and certain, certain leaves. I think that um, your question could sort of start to go into the land of like carnivore versus omnivore versus vegetarian. And I sure. do not agree that humans shouldn't eat plants, although I do think mm-hmm. there are some humans who shouldn't eat plants. Right. I mean, and that that is clear when you see the results of people who have tried everything and they can't resolve whatever disease they Mm -hmm. have and then they try carnivore and it clears up and it's amazing i mean it is an amazing tool for those that need it Mm -hmm. um but i do think there you know the majority of humans should be eating plants um to some degree it's it's more of an elimination diet at that point to just like clear your body out kind of a cleanse in a sense yeah totally not to live on for long periods of time and some for people most. need to. Yeah, right, right, right for most. Mm-hmm. And some people need to, um, and that's the only way that they can feel good and live a normal life. Mm-hmm. Well, this this question kind of segues slightly into fad diets. Mm-hmm. And maybe we just briefly touch on those. I mean, you've got, you know, carnivore, vegetarian, vegan, right, because there's two different kinds. And then, um, you know, keto, so on and so forth. Yeah. And I've I've tried everything but vegetarian. I did that all for like two days, and I was like, so bloated and just yeah it was a bad experience to say the least um but you know played around with carnivore i think i did that for about three months keto did for six months and you know the fad diets i think are as i said good for kind of an elimination right like do it for 30 days cleanse your body out kind of reset you know because they they take out so much crap or so much just just other plant-based foods right or just other things um, but what I saw when I was, when I did keto for six months was hormone levels tanked, um, energy levels tanked. Like I felt good for the first two or three months. And I, I saw a picture of myself towards the end of that stint and I looked sickly. I just didn't look healthy. So what are your thoughts on the elimination diets and kind of what their, their place is if they have one? The first question is why, why mm. are you doing it? Um, and so if you take Keto, for example, it's a it's a tool to use, and some people it is an absolutely essential tool to them getting off of Western medication, to mm-hmm. them, you know, getting away from obesity, to them resolving their diabetes, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it is and should be for life. Um, so, if the reason you're using the tool of ketosis is to resolve a health issue that ketosis has been proven to resolve, then it's, yes, of course, you should be doing that. Not only should mm-hmm. you be doing that right now, there is a very real chance you should be doing that for the rest of your life. Um, but if it's, well, I'm a competitive CrossFit athlete and, you know, I think plants are bad for me, so I'm going to go keto, that I would, oh, well, hold on. Yeah. Let's think through that. Like you're doing a very glycolytically demanding sport ketosis probably isn't for you if your number one priority is athletic performance. Mm -hmm. If your number one priority is health, that's a very different thing, right? So for you doing ketosis, and I imagine you were continuing to train your regular schedule and all these other Mm -hmm. things, you were asking for your body to do something and then not fueling it Mm -hmm. to do that thing. So it's like, yeah, you probably did feel exhausted. You probably did dig yourself into a hole with Mm -hmm. some, some sleep issues, I imagine. You probably did lean out a lot more than is 
helpful for you and your right. sport. Mm-hmm. So the question is always why? And I feel the same way with, if we're talking about intermittent fasting, if we're talking about paleo, mm-hmm. um, veganism is veganism and vegetarianism are a why that I will be a little bit more aggressive on finding hmm. the answer to only because when you experienced uh, vegetarian, I was correct? vegetarian okay. for a little while. Um, and, and the thing is, is these, diets tend to work for a little while Mm -hmm. and i think they tend to work for a little while because people go from eating fast food to like maybe eating a salad once in a while or Mm -hmm. whatever it is but in general long term we see people's health really tank and sometimes it takes six months sometimes it takes six years um and i also just believe that any nutrition protocol you're following that you must take supplements in order to be healthy on it. Probably I, isn't the best diet. Probably isn't the best diet. And I mm-hmm. see that a lot with veganism, right? Like you, how are you getting your B vitamins? How are you getting adequate protein? Mm-hmm. How are you getting your amino acids? And right. so that in and of itself, it's sort of like, can you see how this probably isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. From a um, environmental point of view with veganism, vegetarianism, carnivore, what are your thoughts on that? So the, the studies that show mm-hmm. that eating cattle, because normally the conversation is around cattle, right. is bad for the environment, are really infuriating to look at when you compare them to the alternative study it's normally held up against for why um, vegetarianism and veganism are so good for you. Because they, they look at it at a different time frame. Generally, when it comes to cattle, they're looking from like the building of the actual ranch where the cattle are gonna stay to the like bringing them in and raising them and then slaughtering them and then butchering them and then breaking them down and then shipping them. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the plants, it's like from when the plant was planted to harvest, like a three month period. And right. it's like, see, there were less emissions. And it's like, well, hang Hold on. on. yeah. It's not, we're not comparing apples to apples. Like these huge harvesters, like what did it take to build this machine? What did it take to transport this machine? What is this, what fossil fuels is this machine using? We're we're shipping these grains all around the world. Don't, you can't look at the 10 year cycle of a cattle farm and the six month cycle of a plant farm and call this an apples to apples comparison. Also cattle and other Ruminant animals create ecosystems wherever mm-hmm. they go, right? You will see, especially with regenerative regenerative farming, and I am in no way saying that um, sort of typical uh, big lot farming right. is ideal. I'm not arguing for that. Mm-hmm. So especially when you're looking at it at a regenerative farm, the the ecosystem around the cattle tends to flourish. Birds come back, different mm-hmm. sorts of plant matter come back. The soil has a lot more nutrients in it because they're living, breathing animals, yeah. right? Um, so they're eating the food, they're soiling the food or mm-hmm. the, the grass around it. Um, and you don't see that from these monocrop fields. They're mm-hmm. not, the soil nutrients are almost- Oh, it's dead. It's absolutely yeah. dead. You mm-hmm. know, maybe it goes down a half an inch and then everything below that is just completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's an argument that it's hard because so few people are actually reading these research studies that compare them. Right. 
They're just seeing the headlines. Mm -hmm. Which is funded by usually big food, big pharma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is conflicts of interest are going to happen with research. Research has to be paid for. But so many of these articles and research studies that come out, the conflicts of interest are not stated, which is completely unethical. Hmm. Um, And so people don't even know to raise an eyebrow at it and think, hmm, this article was posted by this pea protein company. I wonder... I wonder if this is really what the research said or if they maybe tweaked some things Mm -hmm. for it to say what they wanted it to say. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like because we've talked about this with TJ Hine and then TJ Vizio Day as well, who we've interviewed on the podcast about regenerative farming. Mm -hmm. And I mean, big lot food companies, like that's a different story completely, as you said. But regenerative farming does so much for the environment doesn't hurt it at all it brings back ecosystems as you said right it's it's almost the regenerative farms there are some studies that show it's like a net carbon sink Mm -hmm. on the environment when you look at it over you know a 10-year span of time Mm -hmm. interesting um is there anything you'd like else you'd like to say on uh fad diets and and meat consumption i think if we're gonna since we're having the animal protein conversation Mm -hmm. we've touched on two of what I would call the goalposts. Um, and I call them goalposts because very often when you're having these conversations, it tends you're, you're maybe debating with somebody else. Sure. And so if I start the conversation by looking at it, the goalpost of nutrition, I find very often they'll move it to the goalpost of the environment. And it's like, well, hang on. I thought we were talking about nutrition, but well, okay, we let's talk here. about environment. Yeah. And then I start talking about environment and then they move the goalpost to what we haven't touched on yet, which is like animal welfare. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to be said on that, but I would say two main things. One is that there is no diet in the world that is free of death. There just isn't. It's not possible. Very true. And linked to that, I would ask, how cute does an animal have to be before we care about it? Right? Like people care about cows because they sort of look like big dogs Mm -hmm. and they're adorable and there's all these videos of a cow like loving its owner and that's all awesome. But how many Billions of insects, ground nesting birds, rodents, Mm -hmm. baby deer. How many billions of those animals are killed every year in the planting and harvesting of these monocrops? And nobody seems that concerned about it. I mean, and you can even, people who have this argument, I often wonder if they've even had a backyard garden. Mm -hmm. Because if you try to grow a backyard garden on any scale above, like, a single garden box, what you'll start to see is the insects start eating your plants, and it's infuriating. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do about the slugs that are eating all of your local crops? You know, I'm not saying the answer is to spray these terrible chemicals in the air. You know, like you can set out a cup of beer and slugs love beer. And they, but guess what? They go into oh, the beer and they drown themselves. That's, that's how it works, right? Like what are you going to do to prevent that mm-hmm. if you actually want to eat the food you're growing? Right. So I would, those are really my two main just sort of easy thoughts to throw out when it comes to the animal welfare. And, and mm-hmm. again, I'm not condoning the mistreatment of animals no. that you do <clears throat> tend to see in these big feedlots. Um, and I would actually say cows tend to, when it comes to the mistreatment of animals, cows tend to be treated the best, even in the big lot farms. Hmm. Um, even a big lot cow spends something like 50% of its life on grass. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. But pigs, chickens, 
the animal welfare, welfare yeah. laws around them are abhorrent. It's terrible. Well, um, and, and the the, uh, the the big lot food companies they don't they not only don't treat the pigs well, but the the pigs are fed. I mean, slop that's made from trash. There's a I mean, there's a photo so- cycling around social media with that, and I don't know if that's every big lot, you know, food company, but um, the fact that that's even a possibility. Well, and is it's cattle disgusting. too. It's so, you know. It's expensive to feed these animals, mm-hmm. and they will eat and love to eat, let's say, like candy bars, yeah. right? Just like we do. Mm-hmm. So they're going to grind up these candy bars that are, you know, expired, going to be thrown away. They collect them from the grocery stores, but they're yeah. not going to take the time to unwrap them. So they grind the plastic wrapper in with it, and mm-hmm. that is the feed. And that's, that is not, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's not even a theory. That mm-hmm. is an easily researchable fact. You're ingesting that. Yeah. Because that that ends, I mean, the, whatever that is gets at the chemicals. Right, it's not right getting there. stuck in their digestive tract because it's, it's ground up so small. It is it is becoming a part of the cow, which or then the pig becomes a whatever. part of you. <laughs> yes, yeah. So of course, oh, eat sustainably, eat local, mm-hmm. eat regeneratively as often as you can. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, good uh, grass fed regenerative farms around here yeah. too. Seven Sons out of Fort Wayne. There's yeah. uh, what's the one over in Zionsville. I'm not sure. I know. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not great yeah. about remembering that kind of I know stuff. Trader's Point does stuff with some of that too, or they Trader's do. Point Creamery yeah. or something like that. And then there's um, there's multiple co-ops that you can get into that sell. I mean, from you know Amish farms, yes. raw milk, raw dairy, um, meat. And we're lucky here. You know, we're in Indiana. Mm-hmm. There are still enough small farms yeah. that raise, let's say five steer a year mm-hmm. that if you can find the right person who has an opening you can go in on a half a cow with somebody yeah um you have to do the work but um and it ends up being cheaper yeah great value and good good meat yeah, yeah. no that's awesome um yeah i don't think there's anything else to must yeah yeah if there's more about. follow-up questions yeah. Please, yeah, put them on the comment below on the on the video. Yeah, because there's um, certainly a lot to be said, and I feel like I just tried to like condense it all, throw the main stuff at the wall. But if there's more follow up questions, yeah, back to the the fad diets real quick. What have you seen work the most consistently across the board for all different kinds of people? The things I have seen work the most consistently are. Um, I'm going to say paleo, but I'm going to say it, I'm going to say like light paleo. Okay. And what I mean by that is, um, you might have even mentioned this in the last conversation. I think it's unfortunate that the paleo diet got named the paleo diet because then it's so easy for naysayers to be like, you know, well, a caveman wouldn't have eaten olive oil. And it's like, okay, well, calm down. Like, that's not really what we mean. We do live in the 21st century. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I think like paleo diet to start with and then once you've done that for a month or two sort of seeing what you can get away with Mm -hmm. so you know paleo diet plus most people can get away with rice most people can get away with oats most people can get away with peanuts Mm -hmm. and peanut butter um so i would say like paleo diet light just because it's really not as restrictive as i think a lot of people think it's going to be it's just whole foods for the most part right yeah And then on top of that, I think that for the right people, Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting can be a really amazing tool. Mm -hmm. I think where people get in trouble is they think if some is good, more more must be better. Um, It's not. 
Yeah. Right. And especially, I think women in particular can get into a little bit more trouble there. Um, but I think intermittent fasting can be great at just like leveling out blood sugar levels. Um, and if nothing else, just restricting the eating window, yeah. um, hormone control, things like that. Yeah. I, I love intermittent fasting. Obviously it's a little hard to do when you're right. training at the level we're training, but, um, but yeah, when, when I'm off season, so to speak, or, or not, you know, focused on competitive goals and it's like I, I enjoy that it's easier on my gut I'm for a sure leaner you know just yeah and it's yeah. easy too so. and we are we are not animals who are inherently designed to graze all day mm-hmm. right um and yes we've evolved but we haven't evolved that much right. in the last couple thousands of years and we just were not in a setup where we had food to graze on all day. And that's not to say that there isn't, if you're a competitive athlete or whatever else, there isn't a time and place for it. But it, we're supposed to have empty stomachs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, and your gut heals itself that way too. When it's constantly working, it doesn't yeah. get the heat. And I, I've noticed too, I'm more sensitive to different foods mm-hmm. when I am eating all the time mm-hmm. versus when I am fasting and letting oh, my gut heal. I've, I've noticed that I can get away with more air. Not that I should necessarily, but yeah. I want to have a pizza or something when I've been intermittent fasting. Yeah. I'm not as sensitive to oh, that. That's as, really cool. As if I'm eating all the time. That's fascinating. I so, love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy, I enjoy it a lot. But again, too, it's making sure that, you know, when we do need to be getting all the calories in, getting all the calories in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, to that point, what was I going to ask? Oh, uh, uh, one meal a day. Do you think that's the, the more is better philosophy that doesn't work? What are your thoughts on that? So it depends, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for some people, the one meal a day is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, these are generally people who their number one goal is health related. Mm-hmm. So so you've probably heard me say this. All of my athletes who work with me at Lean and Green have heard me say this, but I'll talk you guys through it. Mm-hmm. So I think that every person has three general goals and an umbrella goal. And I think we all have these three goals at all times. So the goals, like let's picture we have a triangle and at one corner we have health. And at the other corner we have aesthetics. So like how you look when you're naked. And at the other corner we have athletics. And all of them are probably at least a little bit important all the time. Mm -hmm. But the closer you move to importance on one, the further you're gonna have to step away from the others. So if your number one priority is health. Maybe it's getting your hormones under control. Maybe it's getting your blood sugar under control. Maybe it's managing disease. Then eating one time a day really might be for you, but you need to understand that that's going to move you pretty far away from most of your fitness goals. And depending on your goal, if your goal is to be muscular and big, it's going to move you pretty far away from your aesthetic goals. But that's your cost benefit right there, right? And if your goal is to go to the CrossFit Games, that's great. But like, you're beating the shit out of your body. You're moving away from that health goal a little bit for a while. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, I think especially for females, if your sport is CrossFit, right. probably moving away from those aesthetic goals a little bit. So it's it's just why are you doing it? Again, right. it comes to why. Yeah. What it, do you think it's sustainable to to train um, to train and eat like a competitive athlete for very long? What's it, or no? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think so. I. I don't think so. Um, training is one whole category of I don't think so. And yeah. it, it depends a little bit on your sport. Sure. Um, 
but it's hard, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's especially, I think if your sport is something like swimming, where you're taking a lot of the load off of your joints, mm-hmm. there is a lot more longevity in that. And you see that master swimming is still very competitive worldwide, mm-hmm. up into people's 50s, 60s, and older. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're looking at a sport like CrossFit, the, the clock runs down a little bit faster, except for those who are probably very lucky and genetically gifted just because you are pounding on those joints all the time Mm -hmm. um does that answer your question yeah from from a nutritional aspect what are you oh right it's like eating like you have to for i mean to be competitive crossfit so again if i think that as we age whether we choose to or not we are often forced to prioritize our health more and more Mm -hmm. and because of that the eating for competition, I think, becomes less and less realistic. Because as you were just saying, and I don't know if you researched this or if you figured it out intuitively or a little bit of both, mm-hmm. but as we were saying, it's you, it's not good to be full all the time. It's not right. good for your body to be digesting all the time. It's not good for cell reproduction. It's not good for, um, as you said, your gut lining. It's not good for your hormone levels. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes less and less realistic as we age and health has to become a bigger priority yeah Yeah. that's interesting i haven't thought about it that way before but you're you're exactly right because i mean if you want to live a decent lifespan you probably need to get off the high glycemic carbs at some point yeah i actually i heard heard or read something about a i want to say he's like an iron man runner or, or competitor marathon runner or something like that where he um he actually became diabetic during his training time yeah, for marathon because you're eating so many high glycemic carbs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, um, I, I have done a half Ironman and, mm-hmm. um, I was told when I started my training and cause I was hundred percent paleo at the time, you can't mm-hmm. do this and stay paleo. Hmm. And you probably know this <clears throat> about me and I, but I was like, the fuck I can't. Uh, no. So no. I did, <laughs> but it was hard yeah. and everybody around me, the amount of like, and like legitimate sugar cubes yeah. they would be eating during races, whereas I was having like dates or, you know, like those apple sauce squeeze mm-hmm. packs, like baby the food, basically. Yeah. They are great. Um, I mean, I can imagine it. I can mm-hmm. imagine it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, those goos are just pure sugar and electrolytes, right? Yeah. I've never really eaten them before, but. Yeah. And some of them are better than others, you know, mm-hmm. but of course you find the ones that are just corn syrup and salt basically right and a lot of times they're handing stuff like that out on yep. which is probably not the, the highest quality ones right would be my guess right so sure interesting cool well let's uh we're going to segue to a different let's question topic warm-ups warm-ups and just briefly touch on why warm-ups are important. yeah yeah so you gotta be warming up guys all right and <laughs> it's It's not only injury prevention, Mm -hmm. which I think is the lens that we most often view it through. So I think that because we only look at it as injury prevention, especially our younger athletes tend to try to get away without it Mm -hmm. or a shortened version of it. But it's also performance enhancing, right? Definitely. Um, you, You have to have your muscles and tendons buttery if you want to max out on your back squat and and be successful at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same, if you're going to do 
Fran. Fran, for those of you that don't do CrossFit, it's like the ultimate sort of CrossFit sprint. Puke fest. Yeah. yeah. 2159, light thrusters and pull-ups. And because in CrossFit we keep our pull-ups, athletes are doing this. The, the top athletes are doing this in like under three minutes. 45 reps of each. It's fast. Yeah. You're not PRing your Fran if you haven't done a serious warm-up. Yeah. And I like to say the the longer the workout, the shorter the warm-up and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So if I was doing Fran, my warm-up would be 20 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes. And that probably doesn't even include like muscle priming that I'm doing beforehand to right. activate whatever I need activated that day. So it's, it's injury prevention mm-hmm. and it's performance enhancement. Yeah. That's great. Very important to do. It is. And then if you're a competitive athlete too, it's important. I know this sounds silly, but it's important that your coach sees you warm up and not because they see that you're committed or anything like that, but they need to see how you're moving that day. Yeah. Right. Like I have a few competitive athletes right now and most of you guys, I get to see moving around, if not every day, a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. And I am watching it like, man, is he like, is he like hobbling around on his hips when he stands up? Is he, does mm-hmm. he look pissed off? Does he look happy and ready to train? Is he doing a thing with his shoulder? Yeah. It's important for your coach to see you warm up too mm-hmm. for those reasons. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's okay to take a day off or lighten the load to yeah. keep training and prevent injury. Yeah. And to <clears throat> his credit, I know the last podcast I mentioned Logan a few times, mm-hmm. we've been working together the longest and the most intensely. Yeah in terms of his training. And to his credit, he works his butt off, but if something doesn't feel right, Logan's also an excellent coach. He'll be like, hey, mm-hmm. this hip isn't right. Like, can I do something else? And it's like, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Because being a good coach is also, it's not just beating your athletes to death every right. day. It's preventing injury. Because mm-hmm. if your athlete gets injured, that's not a point of pride. No. Your athlete's out for who knows, one week, six weeks, six months. Yeah, That's your job. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep that from happening. Yeah. So it's important to watch the warm-ups, see what's going on. Yeah, very important to stick to the programming, but also know when to deviate away from it. Yep, mm-hmm. correct. So let's go into, now that we're kind of on the topic of coaching, why is it important for there only to be one voice slash one coach in the class? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure there are other gym owners, hopefully, that are listening to this. So I think it's yeah. something that... I love this question. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer first with what I think is the least important answer, Mm -hmm. but let's just say it. Okay. And this comes from me coming from what some might consider the ultimate team sport background, Mm -hmm. rowing. And the thing is, is your athletes have to believe that you know what you're talking about. Honestly, even if you don't, which I hope all coaches out there have done their work and do know what they're talking about. I think also we as coaches have to do a better job of lifting each other up. I think coaching, probably by nature of sport, we all get really competitive with each other and assume that that guy is an idiot and that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Most coaches are really doing their best and Mm -hmm. they really, they're doing it because they love it. They're not doing it for the paycheck. They're doing it because they love it, right? Yeah, because we all know coaching makes you rich. Right, yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the number, or the sort of like least important is your athletes have to believe in you. And if there's always other voices arguing with you or talking over you or correcting you, even if it's not 
conscious, those athletes are going to lose faith in you. And then when they lose faith in you, they probably lose faith in the programming. They're probably not trying as hard. They probably start to question. They probably start to, and then nobody's getting the results they want. Right. So that's the least important. I would say in addition to that, CrossFit, and your question I imagine is specific to CrossFit, Mm -hmm. is an interesting sport because it's so community oriented. And part of what makes CrossFit so beautiful is that people do get so involved in the community. Right. But it can also, they want to help each other out. But it can be a tough line to walk because it's like we all love CrossFit, but I love to eat, and that doesn't make me a chef. Right. (laughs) So yes, you are, you love working out, but that doesn't inherently mean that you know the ins and outs of the training Mm -hmm. that is necessary to make, to give proper cueing layer onto that. So wherever you are, whether your coach has been doing it for one year or for 20 years or whatever it is, if you see it, let's say you're snatching mm-hmm. and you see a guy doing a thing and you want to go over and tell him what you think he should do to stop doing it. Yeah. If you see it, please assume that the coach also sees it. Mm-hmm. If the coach isn't saying anything, please give them the benefit of the doubt that they are not saying something for a reason. Right. That could be a couple of things. Let's keep on our example of snatching, right? So mm-hmm. snatching is when you take a bar in one fluid movement from the ground to over your head. Mm-hmm. And ideally, you know, you're going as heavy as you can. It's a very fast movement. It's a heavy movement. Sometimes it can feel like a very scary movement because yeah. you're putting weight over your brain, right? Very technical, yeah. Very technical. And a good coach is gonna do a few things. First is, this is one of my biggest pet peeves when I do watch other coaches. I will never cue an athlete on something I've only seen one time. Mm-hmm. Because what if that was a fluke? What if they got distracted? What if they were in the middle of their pull and they're like, oh shit, did I turn the stove off? Like, sure. wait a while and see if it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. If it keeps happening, that's something you need to cue on. So that's a reason why your coach might not be saying anything. Mm-hmm. The second is that the snatch or a muscle up or a clean and jerk or whatever it is, it is such a technical movement. It is such a fast movement that we need to get rid of the low-hanging fruit before we worry about the nitty-gritty. So what I used to like to say to my weightlifters was like, you're concerned because his toast is burning, but I'm concerned because his toast is burning because his house is on fire. So I'm trying to put the house (laughs) fire out first. That's a great example. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care about the toast right Mm -hmm. now. So maybe what you're saying really is happening, and Mm -hmm. the coach sees it too, but athletes can really only focus on a couple of cues at a time. Right. And so maybe that coach has already given the athlete the cue that they want them focusing on that day. Mm-hmm. And if we distract them, then this other thing that's bigger is going to come back. Right. And then lastly, I think um, consistency of messaging is also important. Mm-hmm. So again, if you see it and you're seeing it consistently, I would not assume that the coach doesn't see it or doesn't care about it. But maybe there's a reason that that's, that's not the information being given to the athlete at the time. Maybe the coach knows about a health issue that's going on. Maybe the coach knows that that athlete's going through a divorce and actually doesn't need any criticism today at all. They just need to be told they're doing a great job. Right. So it, I think overall, if I had to put an umbrella over it, like let's assume the coaches know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if they're saying something or not saying something, there's a reason. There's a reason. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's very good. That's a good way to go about it. Because as you said, CrossFit is very community driven. and Which is great. It is. Wouldn't want to change mm-hmm. it. But yeah, you, you got to gotta let the coach do their job, you know? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Awesome. Well, that's all I got today. Is there anything you want to add in addition to all that? I don't think so. But guys, please do. Um, if you have questions, whether they're super broad, like the me question or really specific, let us know. Yeah. Um, you can it, email us directly. You can comment on the YouTube video, comment on the reels. We will yeah. pick up those questions and put them in the queue to be asked and answered. Yeah. So, and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but I think it's fair to say for our podcast together, mm-hmm. nutrition is fair game, athletics, yeah. fair game, um, programming in terms of like, how do you program? What right. do you program for? How do you train? Why do we program? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even have to be CrossFit specific. Yeah. Let's let's make it weird. Yeah, <laughs> let's make it weird. I like it. The new hashtag yeah. of, of the uh, health Q&A. Yeah. Make yeah. it weird, guys. Yeah. Hashtag let's make it weird. <laughs> awesome. Well, where can people find you again? At Lean Mean Green Health, or you can email me, Caitlin, with two eyes, at leanmeangreenhealth.com. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Go comment below. Subscribe uh, to the videos if you're watching us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and uh, Spotify as well. And uh, we'll see you next month.